Hey everybody, welcome into the latest episode of Before the Crowd with me, your host, Guy Monk. Uh, this week I'm going to be interviewing Carolyn King. So Carolyn manages the Academy of Music and Sound in Scotland. She is currently studying her PhD. Um, also Carolyn is an ambassador for women in music all over the world. She runs workshops on equality and employment for women in the music industry. Uh, so I'm really excited about this podcast. We're going to be talking about uh, the general outlook of women in music, how much employment there is, uh, where we're going in the future, where we've been a little bit before. We're also going to touch on some common uh, news topics of the time as well, actually, looking into the Brit Awards, the lack of women that have been noticed in the 2020 Brit Awards, what that means for the industry, uh, what Carolyn thinks could happen next with it, uh, potential change, what we need to do. And we're just going to be talking all things music. Carolyn King, welcome. Thank you very much for asking me. <laughs> That's all right, it's a pleasure to have you on here. Um, one thing I kind of, well, several things I'm sure we'll get through today is I wanted to kind of talk about um, what you're researching right now. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like we're just talking about um, before we started recording, vinyl, uh-huh. your research into that, um, kind of uh, women in the modern music industry, yeah. the role they play, maybe how it's changed, yeah. um, what your current thoughts are. Okay. If, in fact, I want to kick you off with a question that's sort of been in the in the music news recently, which is um, the Brit Awards and kind of a lack of female nominees. I don't know if you've seen the headlines or the yeah. articles. Yes. So um, because I'm part of them, quite a few of us got to be part of the voting academy this mm-hmm. year. So so I did vote for the current nominees. Um, but you're given a sort of selection of people to, to select from in terms of who you think should be the nominees on the night. Mm. Um, and without a doubt, in all of the mixed categories, so best song, best group, um, the gender balance was extremely male heavy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So funnily enough, um, I did comment on this last night online. Uh, on the socials <laughs> and, okay. and um, I did get a bit of a backlash from some men who are not in the music industry might I add okay. who um, were suggesting that actually the artists who are all up for nomination are just the better artists and who've produced the best work this year okay. and that it's nothing to do with gender mm-hmm. um, I have to say given all of the evidence that has led up to this point I think that's wrong and I think that it's a much more complex issue that we're dealing with at the moment. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, the, there's a report came out last year on the US Billboard charts that looked at the top 600 songs from 2012 to 2018. Mm. And even, I mean, people think, oh, there's a, an abundance of female artists, particularly in the pop genre. Mm. The female artist ratio was like 25%. Really? That low? I yeah. thought it would have been, yeah. Like you said, the pop genre, you name pop stars, you instantly yeah. think of like, yeah, Ariana Grande's, Nicki Minaj's, or, you know, yeah. Jesse J's, all these kind of guys. Absolutely. Um, um, so yeah, even even as artists, um, they, they are underrepresented and it gets worse for songwriting and it gets even worse for production. It's like 2%. So, yeah. 2% of producers in the, in the music industry are female? Um, so 2% of the credited producers on those 600 songs across that um, seven-year period mm-hmm. were women. Wow. Or identified as women, yeah. Do you think that's because people are actively 
not employing women or because women don't necessarily want those jobs? I think that's a great question and that's something that we talk about a lot in class. Um, is it that women are just not interested in production? Mm. Yeah, that's a, that, I think that's a valid point. But for me, I feel like it's because the door has always been so closed. Okay. And I've spoken to girls who... Um, have been on a production course they've been like the one girl in the class yeah and i mean i don't mind telling you this there was one girl that i was teaching who told me that um there was one day that she was off class because she was ill yeah and she was told by her friends in the class who were male she was told that the lecturer had said oh ask her to, to do your written work for you she's good at that nothing else wow yeah so hell of a blow. Yeah, and that's coming from an educator in a position of power. So and that can have a detrimental effect. Obviously, that's the the image of the knowledge that that educator is putting out yeah. to the next generation of musicians and producers, and then they think it's okay to go into the industry and say, "Yeah, this is the way you can treat women." I'm agreeing with you a lot on this mm-hmm. stuff, and I normally don't with people. I normally try to play devil's advocate. Right. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I think like it's such a valid point, and that yeah. is. Uh, unbelievably small number yeah and i guess obviously this is tying into the brit awards and yeah. why there's so few nominees yeah uh, uh, so few female nominees i should yeah. i should say yeah um but it was really odd because i'm i'm doing the the voting as well for the brit awards oh, great. yeah i found it really odd when looking at female artists of the years and i was really surprised that people like bonnie tyler mm-hmm. were still nominated and i have nothing mm-hmm. against her mm-hmm. at all i think some of her music is great but i was just like really bonnie tyler like she's still being nominated yeah i'm surprised um i think was it because she did have some sort of release or some sort of um greatest hits release was it something to do with that i think she just had a a brand new album but i suppose i was almost surprised that she was still being considered for that stuff right because i think maybe in some people's minds she's a bit of a name from the past right i see yeah and then it was interesting because i was like oh bonnie tyler that's interesting um and i and i think um Catherine Jenkins, Sarah Brightman mm-hmm. were nominated as well. Right. Um, but then in the grand scheme, when you see actually there's so few women, I think I I was surprised at the diversity in the music choices oh, for the female okay. artists. Yeah. Because I thought it was going to be these, you know, the, the pop sensations like yeah. the Ariana Grandes and so forth. Yeah. Maybe they're the ones who win it, and that's what you expect it. Yeah. But yeah. That's why I was so interested when I was like, oh, actually, maybe there weren't that many female nominees. Yeah. But that's interesting that you think the ones that were that were nominated were perhaps um, from a different, I guess what we call era of music. Mm. Um, and that's a whole other issue um, in terms of ageism. You know, the way we'll t- we talk about Madonna, for example. And I mean, there's some horrible memes going around um, of Madonna implying that she's so old now that she um, can't function and stuff like that. <laughs> Um, but I mean, you don't. Yeah, you really don't. Yeah. No, I mean, you don't see the same the same sort of treatment of um, older men in the industry like Jagger or Richard. So you don't see, we don't see them vilified as much as a woman like Madonna, who's the same age. I almost think it's funny because when it comes to like Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, I think um, I don't think they're vilified, but I think people um, it's like common jokes about how much they've aged. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. it's almost like. Um, a badge of honour 
right. for them because yeah. they've done so many drugs and done so many narcotics. It's like, yeah, they've got through it. God, look at their faces. They are old men now. But they're like, <laughs> look, like this is our story. This is rock and roll on yeah. our faces. Yeah. Whereas I think Madonna, I know a few years ago, because she has, um, I don't know, something like with her arms, they were wrinkled or she worked out or something and everybody yeah. jumped on Madonna's arms. I was like, it's, yeah. does that affect her as a performer? I yeah. never really got that, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Do you think the same, obviously, like it said, when we're kind of talking about ageism in music uh-huh. and it vilifies those people, where do you think someone like Kylie Minogue, who has sort of overcome cancer, where do you think she yeah. fits into that category? Wow. Um, Kylie was a hero of mine. Okay. Was a wow. I hit on that so early on. Okay. <laughs> we can do a little vocal rendition if you want. <laughs> well, I mean, Continue. Kylie. <laughs> looks incredible and mm. Kylie is great at what she does <laughs> yeah um, Kylie doesn't try and reinvent the wheel um, she just does what she does and she's great at it she is a, a sugar pop artist mm-hmm. and that's what she does um, and that's what I think what she'll always do um, and I think the fact that you know she is so attractive means that she will certainly be a lot less targeted than maybe other artists someone like Bonnie Tyler for mm. example yeah. um, Stevie Nicks might be a good example here as well um, an older lady in the industry who's also been extremely rock and roll like yeah. we we're talking about Jagger yeah. and, the and wearing that as a badge of honour um, you know Stevie Nicks probably did more drugs than them put together still standing <laughs> um, but still looks incredible yeah. so a lot less crucified by media it's funny how that happens i mean it, i think it's the same with joan jett as well yeah um that she i think she's like 60 or something now but she's it's she's a rock chick yeah and the rock yeah. chicks maybe aren't um villainized as you said yeah maybe yeah. as much as some of the pop sensations i don't know i think it's interesting like yeah can't remember who it was if it was like a might be like Victoria Beckham or some like A-list female celebrity. She said she can never wear the same clothes twice because wow. if she goes out and mm-hmm. the media just slaughter her, which I find is unbelievable. Yeah, it's different rules, isn't it? According to what genre you fit in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I guess kind of going back to the gender maybe gap then, obviously you were saying the 2% of producers that are female. Yeah. Is there like any kind of pay discrepancy between yeah so uh, yeah according to this report yeah there there is a difference um but i mean we've seen quite a lot on this in the past year is in that that difference is is throughout all industries Mm. i guess the only industry i can think of where it's not like that would be the pornography industry okay (laughs) (laughs) where women are paid more than men to participate um yeah and there's this whole debate around um that as an industry does it empower women or is it is it degradation of, mm. of women is it is it putting yourself in a position of danger um what are your thoughts on that um <laughs> personally i feel like well i mean we're totally going on a tangent here but like if you're going to talk about the sex worker umbrella it's really vast yeah it includes not only um women engaged in prostitution but also other things like strip clubs uh, webcams there's mm-hmm. this whole industry with all these sub sub roles within it um and i personally think that if it's consensual and safe and it's a business transaction agreed between two people there's absolutely nothing wrong and these women should not be vilified 
the oldest profession, apparently. And yeah. um, but again, these women are are targeted. And there was a great documentary came out on Sunday there, the new Louis Theroux documentary on women in the UK oh, who are, okay. who are involved in this industry, and they're just mothers, like they're single mothers, mm. um, looking for a flexible job. Um, they are um, young women who are students trying to support themselves living in London stuff like that wow so I people think you that's pass on the street people, people yeah. who you might interact with every day exactly yeah yeah in terms of like empowerment when it comes to female artists when you have um someone like say Nicki Minaj yeah. who um you know maybe not necessarily but any but any female artist who has you know like breast augmentation mm-hmm. or any kind of cosmetic surgery do you think that is through pressure of the environment and the industry that they're in, or is mm. or is that a symbolism of their empowerment? Oh, that's a great question. That's something we talk about in class okay. a lot. <laughs> Maybe I should just come to one of your classes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think... I certainly feel like these women are encouraged to, to do that. Um, whatever aspect of surgery it is that they have, I think they're encouraged. I think now it's certainly part of the brand. Okay. Um, it's expected. Um, I, I think if, if you want to get that done and you're going to a good surgeon, by all means, there's nothing wrong with it. Mm. Um, yeah. So how do you think when you take someone like Ariana Grande, mm-hmm. who was... Um, Hannah Montana. So she's gone from sort of being this, you know, sort of childhood like uh, yeah. pop sensation, childhood star, into now being, you know, one of the top female artists. Do you mean Miley Cyrus or do you mean as Hannah Montana? Was it Han- Hannah Montana is Ariana Grande, right? No, that's Miley Cyrus. That's Miley Cyrus. Yeah. So whoever, what was, I don't know what the character was. Oh, but so Ariana was like a Disney She was like a Disney person. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm, I, this is not my, <laughs> my area of expertise. <laughs> but I guess, like, it, it would apply to either example, you know, the, the childhood pop sensations, and um, sorry, childhood stars who have now become pop sensations. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that expectancy is still there, or is that almost off-putting because you have literally seen them grow up? Do you mean, is, is it off-putting to see them be kind of sexualized young women or yeah i mean do you think the the market strays from doing that to people or do you think they encourage for sexualization Ooh, um it's all about the artist's brand isn't it yeah okay. and for ariana it's it's very much bubblegum nice vanilla <laughs> yeah <Okay. laughs> she doesn't put a foot wrong um, so she's staying within that kind of Disney realm. Mm. Um, for Miley, you know, she's a bit more um, rock and roll, you might say. She's diversified quite a lot. I, I really hope that that has been her choice as an artist and uh, to um, determine her own kind of evolution. Mm. Um, but maybe if we look at someone like Britney, you know, Britney was so young when she broke through. She's, what, 16? Just 16? Yeah. Um, and her whole look evolved as she um, grew up in that industry. She was absolutely encouraged to have surgery, without a doubt. Okay. And I, I definitely think the impact on her now... Um, I saw her perform last year, 
and wow. okay. she did she brought the Vegas tour to like UK arenas. Okay. And she didn't sing a note. Really? Yeah. Why was she sort of like backing tracks or just Yeah, it was completely backing tracks. So what did um, she do? She just danced and okay. lip synced. Um mm. and this is someone who there is clear evidence on YouTube <laughs> of a young girl who really had a vocal talent. Okay. Um and I just feel like the industry kinda of took her and you know, chewed her up and spat her out, made the money and that was that. Yeah. Do you think there's a male parallel to that? Oh, or if not, do you think there's a reason that there isn't a parallel to Britney of uh, being a centre, as you said, had a vocal talent chewed up and spat out? Yeah. I mean, the person that that comes to mind would would actually be Michael Jackson. Okay. To be honest. Um, yeah. Although I do feel like a, lo- a lot of his his issues were much more internal but oh actually if, if we look at Whitney Houston okay yeah. yeah so a young woman with a great vocal talent mm. encouraged to be kind of white pop yeah. ultimately um on the first album anyway um and then she got booed at the Soul Train Awards because people felt that she was a sellout she wasn't being culturally relevant to her her own community, okay. potentially. Um, and then there's this great interview with her where she says, someone asks her, does does fame change you? And she says, um, success doesn't change you, but yes, fame does. And she said it, it tries to turn you into someone that you're not. Mm, okay. So I definitely think that's an issue. And it's this identity crisis. And it's only going to get worse because social media allows for it to be so perpetuated on a daily basis that people forget who they are. And then we're seeing it in things like reality shows. Okay. Um, I don't watch it, but we're violent. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> how are you justify that's not your show. <laughs> but it's incredibly popular and people, yeah. people watch it to laugh at it. Yeah. Sometimes. I'm sure yeah. people genuinely look up to those people, yeah. sadly, maybe. Yeah. But, but it's, yeah. A, it's a parody of... Uh-huh. of what those people are and those relationships yeah yeah um but I, I see what you mean about if i understanding you correctly about the identity mm-hmm. like an identity crisis of mm-hmm. you, this is the person you think you should be and you're perceived to be yeah and we're all playing we might not even be aware of it but we're all trying to act out roles yeah or become this different person yeah um yeah, yeah. i i think it's I mean, we could just talk about this for two hours, to yeah. be honest, because it, it's such an expansive topic. And even, yeah. obviously, now we're just talking about maybe the, the, the gender gap between men and women yeah. without even touching um, sort of, you know, the non-binary uh-huh. community yeah. and everything totally. yeah. that comes... I mean, I, if you've got 2% of female uh, producers within that billboard report was um, 2%. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the non, non-binary is. I... I guess zero, but I have no idea without seeing the report. Yeah, we don't we don't know for sure, but yeah, we can only assume yeah that it was zero. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So um, kind of moving on to um, something which I want to talk about uh, is your research because you're on year four of of a six year PhD. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're doing vinyl research, but uh-huh. yeah, I'll let you kind of give us a rundown of what of what you're researching oh, okay um so initially i just wanted to write something on the kind of resurgence of vinyl um and i was really interested in how it had sort of come back around 
Um, but since then, I'm in year four now and it's just sort of grown arms and legs. Mm. So um, I've done three chapters so far. So I've done one on the gendered aspect, which only really came to light once I started to identify people for interviews and to give me opinions on this topic overall. Okay. And there was such a huge gap in terms of women who were collectors, record shop owners, vinyl DJs, mm. um, that, yeah, so that spawned a whole chapter <laughs> okay. on that. Um, and I've also done one on Record Store Day as a brand, because um, I teach arts development and branding, and how that uses this kind of concept of the real and the authentic, ultimately to sell music. And I think that's a really interesting dichotomy. Um, and also one on authenticity, where I'm looking at why vinyl is perceived as this more kind of true to the artist format. Okay. Yeah, and the kind of separatism of that with between certainly the younger demographic mm. and the more older kind of um, purist community. I think it's funny how it's almost become fashionable, I think, now. Because yeah. it's overtaken the um the sales of cds right so vinyl yeah was it last year or the year before yeah the year before the year yeah. before so yeah. vinyl outsells cds now. yeah that is like the most bought physical format of music yeah. on the planet right um well not as much as streaming so streaming is the, the most popular yeah but in terms of having a physical or physical I- yeah physical yeah. item yeah. yeah and it's really funny because i think like i always remember being like 12 or 13 or something maybe a little bit younger and and having a Queen Greatest Hit CD and yeah. just being like, oh my god, this is so amazing. Uh-huh. And my dad caught me listening to it, and he was like, oh, the Queen. And he just, I, I didn't even know this existed. He had this whole record collection, had like you know all the Queen albums and and all this stuff. And I was like, wait, what are these? Like I had no idea. So sort of, I must have been younger. I don't know, maybe eight or nine, I suppose. But between like kind of my dad growing up in late seventies, eighties, where just everyone had vinyl. And then obviously CDs came in and streaming. Yeah. And now we're back to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if you'd agree, but I think it's an elevated form of vinyl where you've got people like Jack White and Third Man Records turning mm-hmm. out um, new technologies within vinyl. Because I know on the, I think it was the Lazaretto album he put out um, on the, you know, the central groove. Yeah. Um, if you put the the needle on that, it played a secret track oh, wow. that you couldn't stream yeah. or you couldn't get on the CD. So everybody went out and got that vinyl mm-hmm. just to hear this particular track. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I suppose it's sort of a, a resurgence. Yeah, yeah, totally. And something like that is like scarcity. So you've got to buy the vinyl to mm. get the track. And the hardcore fans will absolutely buy the record to get that. Yeah. It's funny with hardcore fans. I mean, I'm not sure if you kind of... what your research goes towards on this but I love like you take like a band like Kiss for instance yeah. who are all about the brand and they have something like a thousand pieces of merchandise yeah. and it's just die hard to yeah. the point of like you know any kind of vinyl to a Kiss coffin yeah. that you can be buried in which is those guys are geniuses yeah like marketing geniuses absolutely yeah so it's, it's branding your lifestyle so mm-hmm. if you want to be buried in a, a kiss coffin, <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, indicating your lo- loyalty and allegiance to that band and lifestyle and genre of music, yeah. Apparently they're doing a really cool thing right now where 
because um, they're seventies or something. I guess. Yeah. And they're retiring soon, and that's going to be them. But what what they're going to do is I don't know if you've heard of this. They're going to commission different Kiss bands across the world. So there's going to be the UK Kiss band. Yeah which is endorsed by KISS, and then the US one, then the Japanese one, then wow. the Korean one. Yeah. So they will never die. Wow. And then you're going to have a hologram <laughs> KISS band. Oh, God. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on... Um, obviously, feel... you're teaching branding, so what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I mean, yeah, they are geniuses, yeah. And the same with the Elvis was. You know, we blueprinted everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as holograms go... Um, I think it's really, really interesting because it's this kind of hyper-real representation. And maybe if you're a hardcore fan, you would go along and watch a hologram and feel connected to the real deal. Mm. But ultimately, are they aware that this is not real? I think that there's a real PhD in that for someone. Um, and I even saw some holograms recently of artists who are not even dead. Oh. <laughs> Why would... <laughs> Why would you just go and do the show? I yeah. mean, that's just... Who was yeah. it? Who did you go and see? It was at... Um, or not see? <laughs> yeah, it was the British, British Music Experience at Liver- in Liverpool. It's like a kind of oh, rock museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and they had a, holog- a daily hologram show, kind of on the hour, every hour, of Tim Burgess from the Charlatans. Yeah. And Boy George. Why Boy George? They're not dead. <laughs> you know, the, the thing with Boy George is, and I got to put together one of his shows last year but it wasn't him performing it was just a dj set of boy george Uh um and it was just this fantastic cover artwork that they gave us to work with (laughs) and it was his face with like these enormously big hats (laughs) and then all the details were written like on the hats because it was so big Um, that's just like seared into my brain now yeah (laughs) so in terms of because you're you work for the Academy of Music and Sound Scotland. Yeah, Can you tell yeah. us kind of what that is and, and what you do there exactly? Yeah, so I, I do kind of freelance work for them. So I lead their BA degree in music and sound. Um, and I also teach on other aspects of the course. And I also run my very own little short course mm. called um, Women's Employability in the Music Industries. And the purpose of that is four days and it's, it's about letting women find their voice. And I had a conversation with a student earlier about this, this idea of we don't, I think certainly in this country, we don't like to blow our own trumpet. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's part of being British. Yeah. Place, isn't it? yeah. And I definitely feel like for women, there's there's an extra layer there. So um, I get I get the class to kind of reflect on how far they've come. Mm. And the, the feedback is, is things like, you know, I never thought of that as a relevant skill. I never really saw it as an achievement. Okay. Um, so it's bigging them up, essentially, and then getting them to not only kind of write it down, but verbalise it mm. and be in a position where they've got like a kind of toolkit, toolkit where they can go out into the music industry with an informed understanding of what it's like and kind of where they might fit. Um, yeah, and, and ultimately be employed in the music industry. Great. So if yeah. someone were looking to go on one of those courses, what would be yeah. the best way to book it? And where, and where are they based? So they're actually based in Edinburgh. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the moment, maybe, maybe I'll branch out. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they would, they would just contact me directly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
how the, how long have you been running the courses for? So it's been uh this is the second year, so like year and a half now. Okay. Yeah. And what what's the plan for the future? Is it going to be sort of a um something that you would tour around the UK and go to different cities or well, yeah we've been in discussion about this yeah and for me as a freelancer yeah that would be great okay. um to kind of spread that <laughs> spread the love um yeah and we also have um a guest speaker usually on the last day okay. as well so it's always someone who's um really established in industry so I've had um, people who have worked with M&M, Oasis, cool. um, and kind of DIY artists as well. Mm. Yeah. Do you, do you find that a lot of women, perhaps, I don't know if they particularly the ones who come to your workshop or even just in, in your experiences, do you think they're sort of um, de- de- devalued in the industry? Yeah. Or not seen for, yeah. like you said, you have to be like, now come on, these are your skill sets. These are relevant skills. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um. Yeah, it's it's about kind of always, always having to fight your corner. I feel, mm. and in my own experience, I've definitely had to do that as well. Um, quite often, um, the only female at a lot of things that I go to. Um, in terms of kind of vinyl, people are always kind of surprised that that is my area of research. Okay. <laughs> Why? Um, I think because it's traditionally been quite a male-heavy kind of boys' club. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm constantly having to justify that. I think it's maybe, I don't know, more of a male perception, but I think a lot mm. of people sort of see gender as, as kind of, you know, is, is a lot more equality now than there were years ago. So it's really yeah. interesting talking to you. And obviously, you know, this is your field of research, doing a PhD, and there is still this um, this gap yeah. between the two. Yeah. And I think it's it's pretty unbelievable, really, to be honest, but yeah. we're 2020 and this is still a thing. Yeah. So in terms yeah. of what you would, um, whether it's your students or, or even just other females, if you were going to talk to, yeah. maybe more, yeah, let's say younger, you know, students, what piece of knowledge ultimately... Mm would you want to pass on to them? What right. one sort of golden nugget? <laughs> we can do like a top three or top five or whatever. Um, <laughs> what I really think is knowledge is power. So okay. do your homework. Yeah. Whatever situation you're, you're going into, know your shit. <laughs> if I can say that. Um, yeah. Yeah, because people will always try and correct you, devalue you, to mm. use that word. Um, if you can go in and really establish your corner as a person in the know, people will react to that. So yeah. I can't remember, I think there was like some uh, orchestra and the new conductor came up mm-hmm. and um, no one was respecting him because he was like young, he didn't know anything about music. Yeah. And he was like, God, oh, no one's listening to me. Yeah. So he was like, okay, let's take five. So the band went on a break and he like, you know, the third violin along, he sort of detuned the A string, came back, they played half a band, he just went, stop, third violin, you're out of tune. And everyone was like, oh my God, and had so much respect for him. Wow, um, yeah. I don't know why, I just brought that story to mind. But yeah. it's a shame that yeah. as, a, as a female, you have to over prep yourself yeah. in compared to, I was going to say your male subordinates, then your, your male <laughs> counterparts. I don't know where that came from. Okay. Um, so what do you think could be done to change this? Ooh. <laughs> Is it just an attitude problem or an actual industry professional problem? Oh, 
it's so embedded in the music industry. It really is. Um, we need to be educating women who are coming up through the ranks mm. um, in order to physically change the dynamic. Yeah. And also, what will you tolerate? What are you willing to tolerate and put up with? Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's illegal in this country to, to discriminate on various characteristics, one of them being gender identity. Mm. But it still happens. Fortunately, yeah. yeah. And I suppose this sort of takes it away from the music industry more now. And I think it's society as a whole yeah. we have to look at. And I mean, the, you know, the music industry is just a such a small fragment of yeah. society as a whole yeah and obviously we correct me if you think i'm wrong but like you said when it comes to the the music industry you need to show people no this isn't okay this is how we should treat people the yeah. expectation um but i think that needs to come from society as a whole yeah in whatever yeah. walk of life it is whether it's a corporate yeah. environment yeah i mean recently like a lot of sports teams mm-hmm. uh or, or maybe well i say kind of a female sports team or like um having get like more TV coverage, more mm. more press coverage, more media. And it's just like that, ah, it's female. It's like but it's not yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like if it's compelling to watch yeah. or listen to it, it shouldn't matter, I don't think. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So um starting to wrap it up a bit now, because I know you gotta go soon. Um in terms of vinyls, uh-huh. can you give us top favourite vinyls maybe in your collection? Oh, I love this question, okay. <laughs> Okay, um, so it does change, kind of, it fluctuates okay. a lot. <laughs> uh, so number one is definitely Joy Division Closer. Nice. Yeah, okay, wow. it's always going to be number one. <laughs> um, number two is MTV Unplugged Nirvana. Nice, such a classic, isn't classic, it? Classic, yeah. immortal piece of art. Um... Oh god, uh, number three. Um... Oh god, I feel very unprepared now. Um, I'm going to say "Live Through This" by Hole mm-hmm. because it is such a big impact on me when I first heard it. Okay, how um, so? What, what was there? Because it was like a f- three quarters female band um, oh. making a lot of noise um, and talking about issues that that were relevant to me at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. So. Um. Yeah, definitely the pinnacle Fantastic. for Courtney, I think. Um, Jerry's gonna love this, isn't he? <laughs> We're talking about this. Um, for um, I'm gonna say Graceland. Mm-hmm. Paul Simon. Nice. That huge Paul Simon. Oh, not who isn't? When someone <laughs> tells me they don't like Paul Simon, I don't trust them. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not a massive. I you know I preferred him solo. Yeah, his me solo too. Career just yeah, next level. Yeah, and it was I mean you felt bad for Garfunkel, didn't you? When they yeah. kind of broke and you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I love a reunion <laughs> gigs when it's like we know we all know who we're here to see. It's great. <laughs> but he is yeah. yeah. That's like for me as as a drummer that that would yeah. be like the dream gig Amazing. to do yeah. just but also like probably one of the scariest yeah you're like oh my god the people who have sat in this seat like don't yeah. don't mess up totally yeah. okay so that's a top four so far so good that's four and number five would be oh god um i'm gonna go with thriller oh okay yeah. yeah great 
Yeah. And I'm done. We briefly mentioned Michael Jackson earlier. But... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why Thriller? Because um, it was incredibly innovative artistically. Um, the whole video concepts, the music video as cinema. Mm. Um, Toto play on it. <laughs> They're the house band. Yeah, they do. Um... Is it the whole album they do? Yeah, that the yeah, yeah, and they've got guests like Van Halen. Um... Yes, because Van Halen did. Oh no! So I'm I'm getting that wrong. I was gonna say Slash did a solo on Black or White. What did Van Halen do? I beat it. He did beat it. Yeah, yes, because yeah. that was um. I'm sure that was Jeff Picaro on drums. Yeah. Who yeah. was obviously the Toto yeah. drummer. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so Van Halen, that is like, that's a good guest album, isn't it? Yeah. Get together. I mean, what a track. Amazing. Yeah. And also just the artwork as well. Yeah. And it's so simple, but it's iconic. Yeah. I don't know. Incredible. What, in terms of, I mean, we, we could talk about a lot of this stuff, but artwork, when you're looking at a vinyl, I know uh-huh. obviously this is going to be genre specific. Yeah. But for someone who advises students on branding and artistic development, yeah. what do you think are, one, are some of the top things to focus on when doing an album cover yeah so consistency with your your act definitely in terms of the genre and the message mm-hmm. um powerful impactful iconic memorable mm-hmm. um i mean thriller obviously is a great example yeah of this um i love I just love stuff that no one else has done as well. So something like Nevermind, Nirvana, mm-hmm. Baby and the Dollar and the Pool. You know, no one had done that. <laughs> I remember hearing in, in an interview apparently with a guy who was about Baby, that's like a pickup line for him now. A bit. <laughs> it's like, you know, oh, that's me. Wow. Which I don't know if that's a good pickup line or a bad one. <laughs> I don't know. You know that Naked Baby? Yeah, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't say I've done it, so I think if I did, I'd be showing that off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's some... What I love sometimes about album covers, it's when people just completely break the mould of it. Like, yeah. classic example, the Beatles' White Album. Classic. You know, I mean, obviously kind of Metallica did the Black Album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But who do, I mean, the Beatles, when you've got... Um, I, t- I guess, like, such an iconic image of, obviously, like, the Beatles hair and then their transformations and, yeah. and as they changed throughout their career. Yeah. Even just classic stuff like like Abbey Road. Yeah. Amazing. It's four guys walking across the street, mm-hmm. a street that now tourists pose on yeah. and, and apparently annoys the hell out of the locals who live down that does. street, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Is, in that case, is it the band who make it iconic? who make, because it's the Beatles walking. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Like, if it was, yeah. um, I'm trying to think of a lesser-known band of the 60s. Um, do, you, do you know what I mean? Like, is it the band that make it so iconic and impactful, or do you think it's the simplicity that makes it so great? I, I think it's complex. I think it's the album, the cultural impact of the album, and then, as a result, the, the art becomes iconic. Yeah. Okay. Same with, like, Pet Sounds. You know, that's a pretty weird cover. Um, but what he did with that album, you know, compositionally and production-wise was incredible. Definitely. Um, I'm thinking of Sgt Peppers, actually, in terms of the message that the Beatles conveyed through that. What would you say is the... the, the and that was actually... 
absolutely love that. That's the first yeah. album I ever bought. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the, the main message through Sgt. Peppers? Yeah, I think it's death and rebirth. Okay. Um, the old Beatles are done. The boy band are done. The artists are here. I know, it's this yeah. psychedelic Indian yeah. influence trip. Yeah. Do you know my favourite thing about that album cover? If you look really closely at Ringo's face, he looks so unhappy. <laughs> like, he's like, why am I wearing this? He, like... He's in the pink suit. He looks so uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like slightly shorter than the rest of a band. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, <laughs> like, like it's not his decision. <laughs> uh, the man who was it, like the photographer of the Beatle, you know, like was in a hard day's night. And yeah. He, like goes on his little Ringo solo trip. Amazing. Like he always, it's it's a cultural thing now just to make fun of Ringo. Yeah. Which yeah. like. Honestly, I don't know about your thoughts on him, but I think he was a pretty decent drummer. He was yeah, great, absolutely. Great for the music. Yeah. Um, maybe, you know, I suppose at that era, you've got guys like John Bonham. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, sadly, just lost him, but mm-hmm. Neil Peart, mm-hmm. who's yeah. just died, which yeah. I think, obviously, coming from a drummer's perspective, but yeah. just for rock and prog music in general was a massive loss. Yeah. 67 years old. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's really sad. No. Right. It's actually quite a negative note to end on, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So tell us um, uh, really quickly. So if people want to get in touch with you about the workshops um, or kind of anything else, well, through the Academy of Music and Sound Scotland. Sure. um, Is there a website we can go to or what's the best way to... Yeah, probably. um, Yeah, probably just reach out to me on Twitter. So it's Carolyn L. King. Okay. Caroline yeah. King, fantastic. Yeah. Caroline, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank really you. It's it. great chat. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>